I think the most important thing is regardless of whether you've got 200 followers or 200,000 followers, those people are still there for you and you need to just be straight up with them. They're still there for a reason. I think just being upfront and honest with your audience and just letting them know, hey, this is why I want to do it. You are welcome to follow along, but um, ultimately it's my account and I'm going to do what I want. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I am talking to a fellow dog blogger. You may know Melanie Demi from her Instagram and TikTok accounts at Her Boozy Tales. She shares with me why she added a blog to her content platforms about two years ago and why it's a good thing to consider for other pet influencers. Melanie also shares her advice around pivoting content and how she decided to change the name on her social media accounts last year. And of course, we also talk about dogs. Melanie has traveled the country with her pack that includes a Great Dane, a Golden Retriever, and a Dachshund. (laughs) Melanie and I met earlier this month when we were working on a panel discussion for the Pet Summit. This once-a-year summit is happening October 23rd and 24th, and it's all virtual, which means that you can watch from anywhere in the world. Get your tickets at thepetsummit.com and look for the panel featuring pet bloggers. You'll see me and Melanie, as well as many other of our pet blogging friends on there. Melanie Demi is a dog mom content creator and blogger who loves to share dog-friendly lifestyle tips and travel guides to help people live their best life alongside their pups. You can find everything from travel to local Austin area dog-friendly hangouts to boozy adventures on her accounts. Melanie is on Instagram and TikTok at Her Boozy Tales, that's T-A-I-L-S, of course, and you can find her blog at threedogsonebar.com. Hey, Melanie. Hello, how's it going? I'm doing so good. I'm excited to hear all about your blog and your social media because you're doing really awesome things. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so for for everyone who's listening, Melanie and I recently recorded a panel discussion um, for the Pet Summit, which is coming up soon. And that's kind of how we connected. And I realized I had interviewed almost everyone on the panel on my podcast, except for Melanie and the ladies from Pretty Fluffy, which will be coming soon. Um, so I'm excited that you made some time to come here and be on the show and um, and talk really about, about blogging because you know we're always talking about social media. Everyone wants social media followers. But having a blog is still relevant and still important. Um, but let's take a step back, I guess, and start at the beginning, like we should with a good story, and <laughs> tell us kind of how how did you get into the world of being a pet influencer, pet content yeah. creator? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh man, I feel like I started like every other pet Instagram account where I 
had so many pictures of my dogs because I think my dogs are the cutest dogs in the entire planet. And my personal feed was getting overrun of just dog pictures. I'm like, I'm going to start an Instagram account and make it just for them. It's transitioned a lot over the years. We can get there eventually. But um, for the first couple of years, it was just that. It was a place to, to build a community and share cute pictures of my dogs. And we started gaining some followers, making some friends, which was amazing. Um, and then it kind of started turning into a little bit of I realized the opportunity of making it a little bit of a business. You know, I was, I wanted to make it a place where, but I'll take it back a little bit. I was, I love traveling with my dogs. I love doing things with my dogs, but I was struggling to find a source for dog friendly, like places. And especially here in Austin, which is where I'm based of where can I take my dogs when it's 110 degrees out and we can maybe get some AC or when it's raining. And so I was like, you know, I could be that source for everyone else. So that's kind of where I got started. But then I started also thinking about, I'm on a platform like Instagram and Facebook where I am not in control of what's happening. Um, And like we noticed recently with the Instagram, Facebook outage, they could just disappear one day. And I was like, I need something that's mine and something where I can, if for whatever reason, these platforms go away like they've done in the past where I can continue being that resource. And so then I launched my blog about two years ago, just to have a little piece of something that is solely mine. I love it. Well, and I love that that you started kind of in in ways that other people did, like sharing dog photos. And now your account is really a mix of like your lifestyle and going out and having fun as you, and then also doing stuff with your dogs. Um, and can you just talk a little bit about how, how you combine combine those or how do you decide which one gets more play? How do you balance out the content for that? Oh, it's hard. I never, like the first two years that I had my account, I don't think I posted a single picture with me in it. It was just the dogs. Um, but at the same time on my stories, you know, I was taking people on these adventures that I was going on. My husband and I love to travel and like, like everyone else, we try to take our dogs and bring them along everywhere we can. But if we can't, you know, it was still, I was still having fun showing that side of my life. And eventually, you know, I I came to the realization. I don't know why it took me so long because it's very obvious, but pet accounts like are run by humans and those humans also like to go out and do things that maybe I am also doing sometimes without my dogs. And so about, well, about a year ago, I started, you know, putting a little bit more of me out there. Um, But actually my account used to be called Great Golden Weenie because I had a Great Dane, a Golden Retriever and a Weenie Dog, a Dachshund. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was a great play on words, but I also started, you know, (laughs) once I started gaining some traction, I would like get invited to like a media event and they'd be like, are you the great golden wiener? And I'm like, Oh God. Okay. So, and as I evolved, I think I thought that like I needed a name to evolve with us. So in June of this year, I actually made the change from great golden weenie to her boozy tales And with that, I also was very transparent with my audience. And I was like, hey, I'm planning on doing this. My content is going to stay the same. You might just see my face a little bit more on it, but it's still going to be taking your dogs places and living your best life with your dogs. So if you want to stick around, I'd love that. But if not, like this is what's happening. Um, And for the most part, everybody's been so supportive and the change transitioned smoothly, like as smooth as I 
thought it could have gone. So it's, I've been really, really lucky. What kind of advice is I, I do hear this from people a lot. And, and especially I think with pet accounts, because maybe a pet crosses the rainbow bridge or something like that, or you get a new pet or whatever, they want to change their Instagram name. What kind of advice would you have for people who are thinking about doing that? I think the most important thing is regardless of whether you've got 200 followers or 200,000 followers, those people are still there for you. And you need to just be straight up with them. Let them know. I I took to my stories and I was like, hey, y'all, this is my plan. I want you to be aware. I want you to be a part of the change. I actually, I was struggling for a really long time to come up with a new name that encompassed everything that I wanted. And I came up with three different ones and I snagged those handles and I actually left it up. Well, kind of, I left it up for a boat. I, I put a poll on my Instagram stories and was like, which one do you like the most? And, um, people, and ultimately the decision was up to me, but I feel like making it to where you can, can feel like they have a say in it because again, it's not your personal Instagram. Like you're still doing something for them, whether it's just creating content that they enjoy following or whether it's actually creating useful content that, and that's your goal, whatever it is. Um, they're still there for a reason. So I think just being upfront and honest with your audience and just letting them know, Hey, this is why I want to do it. You are welcome to follow along, but, um, ultimately it's my account and I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Right. When you just touched on something that I think is, I want to just point out, um, you know, creating content that people just enjoy seeing versus useful content, maybe not, maybe not versus useful content, but like, they're kind of two different things. There can be overlap, of course. Um, but I think that's just something that's just something to point out to people that, um, providing useful content, like with you with like guides, like here's actually where you can take your dog when it's 110 degrees or when it's raining, um, instead of just a cute photo and not really telling people why you went there or what was so great about it or anything like that. I think that is kind of what is going to set your account apart from others. Yeah. Thank you. And I think too, like there's, um, we touched on this on, in our recording for the pet summit, but, um, there's room for everybody in this space. And I think the most important thing is finding something that is interesting and that is special to you. It doesn't have to be, you know, showing dog friendly places. Maybe you really enjoy training, finding those couple of things that's going to make your account unique, but also things that you are passionate about, I think is going to translate so well to your audience versus just, you know, I see so many people trying to share dog friendly spots, but you know that they, they're only doing it so that to have that in their like niche or category per se, but they're not super like very passionate about it. Um, and your audience can tell that too. So just finding things, for example, I love drinking and, and booze and how did I tie that in with my dog account? I don't know, but I did it and it's been working. So, well, I think it works out perfectly because in a lot of places, breweries are the most dog friendly places. I know here in Pittsburgh, where I live, it's something with the health board and like since they don't prepare food usually at most breweries you can allow dogs um yes. but then it's up to the individual business too like so anyhow it, i think alcohol and dogs do kind of go together <laughs> i think so too but maybe that's just me you know justifying my reasoning but like, I, I need it. to go to the bar to just work <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, the amount of times that I take my dogs to a brewery and go work from there. But it's great because like you said, that's that A, I enjoy it. And B, there's other people that enjoy it too. And being able to document it and share that with my audience, I think is not only fun for me, but it also feels a little bit rewarding. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's just, it's just fun to document for yourself, even to look back later. Yeah. Um, so one other, one other thing that we were talking about, um, is your blog. And so you created this, you had your Instagram for a while and then you created the blog. So what kind of stuff do you post on the blog? How is it different than Instagram? Uh, You know, what do you do there? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be fully honest and say that I've been a terrible blogger recently um, and just have not had time to publish as much as I want to. Um, But I need to, it's one of those things. If anybody wants to start a blog, um, do it, but also don't, don't overwhelm yourself. Don't overdo it. Like do what's best for you. Um, So I've been taking a little bit of a break from the blog, but um, the difference between my blog and my Instagram is I can actually, my main goal is creating detailed dog-friendly travel guides to cities across the US. And like, yeah, social is great for getting, you know, snippets of content here and there, or, you know, sharing maybe a place or two, but on the blog, I can say, okay, here's the three best dog friendly hotels in this area. Here's why, here's the price range. You know, I can write so much more and I just think it's so much, there's so much more opportunity for detail and for it to be a helpful resource to people where social is more of just a quick, here's what you got and, you know, maybe do your own research kind of thing. (laughs) I, I think that social nowadays is kind of for people who are like already following you. Um, yes. And, and then your website, your blog or your website or whatever is where people might discover you because if they're planning a trip, a dog friendly trip, they're going to Google. Uh, exactly. City and your Instagram is not going to come up. And so <laughs> exactly. hopefully, hopefully your blog is going to come up and then they're going to be like, oh, you know, I see she's on Instagram and TikTok or whatever. I'm going to go follow her there and you can kind of keep in touch with them on your social. And at least that's kind of, that's the like vibe I'm getting from the internet these days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And honestly too, I mean, I use, I go when I'm researching places, I Google, but I do also like, if I, let's say I'm, let's say I'm not from Austin and I'm visiting Austin, I might go to like hashtag Austin dogs and see where they're going. And that's also where I get a lot of my inspo from too. So I think it's such a, the beautiful thing about, you know, having both is that there's like such an opportunity to blend the two and use the two as resources and like almost like balance off each other. I don't know. It's such a cool world. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, it, it is great. I think I usually probably start Googling to get like the general things down, like where I'm going to stay, like, yep. is this place dog friendly, like in general, and then I'll go to Instagram and look up like geo tags to be like, mm-hmm. where am I going to take my Instagram photos when I get there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's great. Do you wish that you could create merch like t-shirts and mugs for your pet business, but you don't want all that inventory sitting around and who has time to manage shipping out orders? A few years ago, I discovered that print on demand allows you to sell high quality products with zero inventory or trips to the post office. I'd rather walk my dog than pack up orders. From October 18th to 22nd, I am hosting a free five-day challenge that will introduce you to a new revenue stream for your pet business. 
During this challenge, I'll help you discover what your pet-obsessed audience will be begging to buy and set up your first ready-to-sell product, all in just five days. Over 200 petpreneurs and pupfluencers went through this challenge with me last year, and I loved to see the products that they created and went on to sell. The five-day on-demand products for Pet Lovers Challenge is happening October 18th to 22nd. You can grab your free spot at wearwagrepeat.com slash product dash challenge. I hope to see you in there. So speaking of these cities and these dog-friendly cities, what are some of your favorite dog-friendly cities? Oh my goodness. Okay. Besides um, Austin, you can't say Austin. I was going to say Austin is still the most dog-friendly <laughs> city that I've been to. Um, but a couple other favorites. I love the Huntington Beach area in Southern California. Uh, it's amazing. 10 out of 10 recommend, especially if you have a dog who enjoys the beach. They've got the most beautiful dog beach there. And most of the places are very, very dog-friendly. We've also done, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but we've done Denver a few times. And Everybody always says Denver is so dog friendly. And while there's a lot of things to do outside with your dog, um, because of city health code, a lot of patios within like even outside patios within the city limits don't allow dogs. So we encountered like, I think we found more dog, more places that were not dog friendly than those that were. So I think that's kind of like Denver had also the pit bull ban. Yeah. Um, And that's something that I'm becoming more aware about is like cities who don't embrace dogs, period. Like they're not going to be as dog friendly. Um, Yeah. So even though that's a very outdoorsy town, there's obviously some kind of systemic attitude. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, We've also done Asheville, North Carolina. Or, I don't know if it's actually North Carolina or South Carolina. It is North I always Carolina. Get- <laughs> I'm, I always get so confused, but I've been to Asheville. Um, I took Lucy there a couple years ago and yeah. it is truly very dog friendly. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. We It's probably one of my favorite states that I've done ever with the dogs. Um, Orlando, Florida, like surprisingly very, very dog friendly. Um, you guys have been all over. Would you drive? Did you go on like a big road trip? Um, to get to Asheville, yes. Um, to Orlando, we've also done New York. We've flown to those. Um, so the the nice thing about my kind of crew is I have three dogs. I've got a Great Dane, a Golden Retriever, and a Dachshund. Obviously, the Great Dane and the Golden can't fly. Um, but so whenever we are going to places to explore dog friendly like things, um, we can usually fly with the little one, and then our other two get to go on adventures that we can drive to. Yeah, that's super fun. That, that is nice to have the different sizes. I because I have two Labradors, so um, I have flown with one of them before. But nowadays, that is more challenging, yes, um, and maybe impossible. And yes. <laughs> uh, so I have kind of thought it would be fun to have a smaller dog. It is. It's it's nice. I always feel bad because I would love to bring the entire crew. And I know that's something that I get a ton of comments on like, oh, why is only Brooklyn here? I'm like, well, because the, I'm not shipping the other two in cargo and it's not practical for us to drive right now. But, you know, somebody really needs to come out with a pet friendly airline. I would pay so yes. much money for that. <laughs> I mean, I don't really see why the airlines are so against it. Like people want to fly. They want to take their dog. 
How yeah. does it hurt? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe one day. I don't know. I don't think the airlines are listening to this podcast, unfortunately. Um, but we'll just send some vibes their way that hopefully they change their attitude on that. Um, so speaking of these dog-friendly cities and these itineraries, when you are blogging about this, how do you structure the blog post? Um, I know that seems like a very basic question, but um sometimes those are those reveal kind of like your strategy of how you do it. So how do you put together these itineraries or these guides? Yeah, I, so I don't know if this is like a smart way to do it or if it's a selfish way to do it, but I structure them the way that I would want to find a blog post and like the things that I would be looking for. So I start with hotels. Um, I usually like to give a couple of different price range options as well as options because I have big dogs that are welcoming of big dogs and also those who might not be for those who have small dogs. Um, then I go into dog-friendly restaurants, bars, and breweries. Um, also very important to me because I love to eat anywhere we go and drink. <laughs> um, so I give a couple of options in each of those categories throughout the city. And then I go into dog-friendly activities. So it could be dog-friendly hikes, maybe parks, um, any fun activities where you can bring your dog along. And so those are like the three main sectors of each travel guide. Um, but within it, I, you know, I also do, I have like a packing list and um, maybe some like tips or, or things to think about, like coming to Austin and anytime between what May and October, you're definitely going to be sweating your tails off. So come prepared, things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I, and something else that I've noticed, um, I think some people are hesitant to do like hyper local specific content because they're like people on the internet, like there could be anywhere, but do you notice that when you post kind of very specific local things that, that they do well, because, um, I don't know, it's just more targeted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the hardest part for me with my, with just my accounts in general is that, I am in Austin, so I do post a lot of Austin-specific content. So therefore, a lot of my audience is in Austin. But I also, like I said, I love to travel and I, I want to reach a broader audience of people who might also love to travel and take their dogs places or do fun things. Um, so it's been definitely interesting to, to find a balance of, you know, how often do I post Austin versus evergreen content versus travel content. Um, but because most of my audience is local, I do find that either local or travel that places from any or that people from anywhere we would be able to visit um, tend to perform the best. Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that's something that that a lot of accounts should take more advantage of um, because I've noticed just looking at my Google Analytics this month, I did a blog post that I forgot I even did about dog friendly pumpkin patches in Pittsburgh. Yes. And there was really only one. I mean, I did a lot of research. I looked all over. There was really like one. <laughs> and so, so it's a blog. I was kind of disappointed. I thought I was going to do this whole guide. And um, instead, I just, I wrote this whole blog post. It was like, here's the one, you guys. And I also mentioned in the post, like, here's the ones that are very popular pumpkin patches, but that do not allow dogs. So don't even bother. I already did the research for you. And exactly. I forgot that I even did this blog post and I was kind of discouraged about publishing it because there was only one. Um, but this year people are Googling pumpkin patches near me. 
and uh, people are going to that post that I published a while ago. So um, I, you know, I think that doing anything that's like hyper local like that is such a such a good idea. You know, you might not get traffic to it all year long, but when it is relevant, it's going to come up as like the number one result. Definitely. And even if people are searching just for dog friendly, or not even dog friendly, but just for pumpkin patches near you and your blog post comes up and they do have a dog, at least like you said, you've done the research and it beats having to sit there and call all of these places and say, Hey, can I bring my dog? No. Okay. There's this only one, one spot. So now I know. And yeah. Then, yeah. It's awesome. I think that's like the huge value of bloggers and like the travel guides that you put together is we do the research. We go to the places actually personally and test yes. it out and tell you what we think. Exactly. We're not and just that's like, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. That's kind of what always frustrated me about, um, like bring Fido. People are always like, Oh, I love bring Fido. It's so great. And I have found that it's not that great because, um, it's not always places that people have personally recommended or like bloggers like us who've taken big dogs and little dogs and can tell you everything about it. Exactly. And sometimes too, I find that like websites like Bring Fido aren't always up to date, especially I, I use them. I still use them as a resource for finding dog friendly hotels, especially, but then I also narrow down that research by doing my own research. And then of course, visiting them, et cetera, et cetera, because a lot of the policies change, you know, some hotels that used to be dog friendly are no longer or vice versa. And you don't know until you do the research yourself. So, yeah, we need to get everyone to go to everyone's blogs more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like social yes. media has taken over and the blogs have taken a backseat, but we have valuable information there. We do. We do a lot of research. I promise. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, okay. So people can go to your blog, three dogs, one bar.com. And how did you come up with the name for that? Cause it's different than your social media. Oh man. <laughs> so I started the blog when I was still great golden weenie and I did not want to have a website called <laughs> great I think it would not have brought the right kind of audience. <laughs> Um, and so I was really struggling. This was, uh, again, two years ago. So before I even thought of changing my, my social handles and I wanted something at the time we were doing, I was, I'm really, really into craft beer. I had a craft beer podcast and I really wanted something that encompassed obviously the dogs, but the fact that we were visiting places like breweries and bars with the dogs. Um, so after a lot of research, I don't know how I landed on three dogs, one bar, but we did. And then a year later, I changed my handle and could my blog now be called Her Boozy Tales? Yes, but it is what it is. I am happy with it. I'm just going to don't think about it too much. <laughs> it is, I think it's wonderful. I think that um, it's so easy to get wrapped up about our names. Yes. And like my blog is Wear Wag Repeat, but on social everywhere, I'm T-Mystic. And I'm like, it is what it is, everyone. It is what it is. It is what it is. Honestly, like it's not worth stressing about. It really isn't. People are gonna, they're they're not searching, you know, what's a blog what's a blog called three dog? No, they're searching for dog friendly recommendations or you know, dog friendly prod or dog products, et cetera, et cetera. So does it really matter at the end of the day what it's called? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, so before we, before we end this conversation, it's just time has flown by. Uh, I do want to, I want to ask you about your dogs. These, uh, the three 
the three musketeers behind her <laughs> boozy tails. Um, tell us how, how did you come to have dogs of three such different sizes? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so we, my husband and I have always loved dogs. I've always had dogs growing up. So when I went to college and, and moved out of home and moved out, out of, away from my family dog, I was like, I need a dog immediately. And at the time we were going to school in Nebraska and my husband and I for funsies used to go because it's Nebraska. There's really not much to do We for funsies. We used to go to the animal shelter and like pet the like dogs and like help out and, and walk them or whatever was needed. And we really, really wanted to get a dog. And we thought we were going to get a dog at a local rescue when we came back to Austin for the summer. Like we'd been doing research. We had our eye on a few of like dogs in foster and then this one day we decided to go to the shelter for no rain, like no rhyme or reason just to go look, I guess. And in one of those kennels was the sweetest golden retriever, like a golden retriever just sitting there. And he had a cone on and he had his big like wound on his hip. And, you know, we like made our rounds, but like we kept drifting back to him. His tail wouldn't like didn't stop wagging. So we we're like, what's his story? What's a golden doing at a shelter? And he apparently had been found as a stray after being shot. And that was the first day that he had come out of his medical hold because he needed surgery to remove the bullet and um, and needed some time to heal before he was up for adoption. So we literally just stumbled in on like the first couple of hours that he was there and available for adoption. We were like, we need him. Um, so we were still at, we were in college and we were still in a dorm. We had like two and a half weeks left in a dorm. But I was like, I can't. I love this dog. I fell in love with him. He's so happy. And so we put in for adoption. Um, I stayed at a friend's house, thankfully, for two weeks because obviously I couldn't have a dog in a dorm. And that's how Cooper came to be. So he was our first. Um, we think at the time we told we were told he was four. I think he was definitely closer to seven because right after we got him, like two months in, he he turned all white. Now he's our our grumpy old man, but we love him to death. He's still the happiest dog ever. But, um, and so then we had him for a few months. My husband and I always loved big dogs and we loved Great Danes. And we had an opportunity to get a beautiful Great Dane puppy. You can kind of see him in this painting behind me. Um, and his name, we got him, his name was Apollo and immediately fell in love with the breed. Um, I, I think after a couple of months, I told, I like turned to Albert and I was like, I can never not have a great day in my life. Um, Apollo was my, my, my baby. He was my soul dog. Um, and unfortunately we lost him to lymphoma last year. Um, but before that I, because I'm absolutely insane, I was like, well, we've got a big dog. Well, we've got an extra large dog and we've got a big dog and I kind of want a little dog that we can travel with. And like, you know, it's easier to take around and do things. And because somehow convinced my husband that three dogs was a good idea. It was. Um, and <laughs> we found we were at a rescue event one day and there was this um, mama dog with all of her puppies that were up for adoption and uh, left with a puppy in, in hand that day, not totally planning on it. And that was Brooklyn. That's our little troublemaker. Um, so then we had the trifecta of great golden weenie at that point. And once we lost Apollo, like I said, I, I could not, not have another dog. So now we have Lucas, um, another great Dane and they're, they're my everything. They're my little babies. I, I love it. It's like, it's just so fun to have like all the three different sizes and is your house very hectic or is it calm? 
No, surprisingly, okay, people are going to lose their minds over this, but we're actually in an apartment. Um, we used to be in a house with a yard. And if you know anything at all about Austin right now is that it's growing massively. And our, <laughs> land, yeah, our landlord, um, while we were in the house one day was like, Hey, I just sold the house. I need you out in 60 days. And the market right now is insane. And we couldn't find a house that was where we needed, even remotely close to the area where we needed to be. And we got lucky enough on an apartment with a yard and downsized. We thought we were going to be moving. So it kind of worked. We ended up not moving. We're going to move to New York. Story for a different day. Um, But so we downsized and now we're in a one bedroom apartment with three dogs. And honestly, they are the best apartment I've ever asked for it. We got very, very lucky. Well, people say that Great Danes are great apartment dogs. They really are. Like, despite their size, they make themselves really small and they're just couch potatoes. They're lazy. They, yeah. Lucas had just turned a year. So, like, occasionally he'll get the zoomies and run outside, but the rest of the day he's snoring away on the couch. I love it. Uh, well, Melly, <laughs> it's, it's so fun talking to you. Unfortunately, we have to end this episode. Um, but if you want to hear more of me and Melody talking, you can catch us at the pet summit on the panel discussion about blogging. There's how many of us like eight or nine. Um, yeah. and we talk all about, all about blogging and we're all at different stages and, and people shared really great advice. I got a lot of takeaways just from being on the panel. <laughs> I know I was definitely taking notes the entire time. <laughs> I think everyone was. Um, so it was a really honest conversation. So that'll be really fun to re-listen to. Um, to everyone want to check out the Pet Summit? I think it's thepetsummit.com. Um, but you yes. can, of course, check out both me and Melanie on social media and find information on how to go to that. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.